0: smart, no staff writer here at The Outline.
1: So, James Green, audio director here at The Outline.
0: <laughs> I brought you back in the booth because apparently there's some guy back in the news.
1: There always is.
0: Yeah. It's always a guy. Always a guy thought, in the
1: news. <laughs> we should cancel men. That's a...
0: so, so, who's this guy that's like happened to pop back into our vicinity?
1: Unfortunately, this guy is Jordan Peterson, scum of the earth, some might say. The Outline World Dispatch. He used to be a professor. I guess he technically still is an academic that has grown really popular online. Um, Barry Weiss of the New York Times opinion section would call him a member of the renegade intellectual dark web, mm. which is a fake name for a fake group of slightly fake people. Mm. He, um, I guess like a men's right activist, he is really won't known for his inflammatory YouTube videos or speeches. But
0: now I want to talk to you a little bit about white privilege.
1: When you think of like angry white men on YouTube or some other similar platform, like yelling about something in a way that someone would title it, Jordan Peterson owns transgender woman or totally wrecks them in argument. It's exactly what you'd think. Mm. It's nothing... Super surprising, although I guess the one thing notable about him is that since he used to be a um professor and he even taught at Harvard as like an assistant or associate professor back in the nineties for a little while he um is actually a decent lecturer, I guess purely like sound wise mm-hmm. or cadence wise and I think one of the reasons why he's grown so popular over the years is that if you'd never really heard at like a professor lecture in the humanities mm-hmm. or anything like that yeah. it does sound somewhat inviting, just on a face level. Like a very
0: convincing kind of guy. Yeah,
1: a very convincing person who will reference Greek history or philosophy. And even though it's, I mean, if you really looked at what he's saying, it doesn't mean anything. And it's just very uh, surface level references in order to make awful points. Like women don't have rights and should be paired up with men. Mm -hmm. It sounds,
0: I guess, on first listen, like something really intelligent, well thought person would say. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I brought you back in here is because back in February, uh, you reported this story about how people like Jordan Peterson and the alt-right were recruiting people online using YouTube. Has anything changed since February to now? Since February to now,
1: I mean, when I had originally written this article about kind of how alt-right recruiters have infiltrated the online depression community I think we even started off the lead of the article was talking about Jordan Peterson because his videos, I wouldn't say he's specifically, you know, alt-right. That term in itself is kind of dying out, but he's kind of a darling of the alt-right. His videos, which are popular, often attract these sort of depressed people and then end up leading them into farther, uh, like more ideologically polarized viewpoints and i guess since february what has happened is that he's gone from being this person who's you know famous in the internet famous in youtube circles famous in the gross corners of the internet we don't like to talk about in front of nice company to getting not one but two write-ups in the new york times among other places he was um part of barry weiss's who was a opinion editor and columnist for the new york times opinion section he was part of her piece, The Renegades of the Intellectual Dark Web. And then on May 18th, Nellie Bowles for The New York Times wrote a feature on him called Jordan Peterson, Custodian of the Patriarchy. Mm. And it's a good piece. Nellie Bowles, she's one of the first like, really high-profile female reporters to, I guess, report or interview Jordan Peterson, which... In itself is just complicated because any interview is uh, a little problematic. But it's one of those interviews where he talks a lot and she doesn't interrupt him. And you just see how absolutely
0: batshit insane he is. And that's why, like, I thought it'd be a really good idea for the two of us to hop into the Outline Time Machine.
1: I love the Outline Time Machine. It's my top five time machine.
0: I just built it not too long ago. And we're going to travel back. To February, when you first joined us, talking about how Jordan Peterson and his videos somehow landed into your YouTube feed.
1: It honestly, listening to it now again, seems a little even naive. I mean, I, I feel like we could sense what was coming, but we were hoping that it wasn't going to come, that this is going to continue to spiral and grow more and more out of hand. But I think it's such an interesting piece to revisit. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a wild ride.
0: <laughs> Let's go back to that old episode and check it out.
1: Have you seen any of these depression videos on YouTube by the alt-right?
2: You know, Paris, I... Can't say that I have.
1: I would be concerned if you said yes. (laughs) And don't judge me for the fact that I have seen one of these, but I'm going to show you a clip.
0: Okay, cool.
2: Who is this guy?
1: So, Jordan Peterson, wearing a (laughs) Trump-esque, way-too-big suit, with a stupidly large tie.
2: Jordan Peterson.
1: He looks like a professor, maybe. This guy, like, standing at a podium. He's talking about how nothing we
0: do is meaningful. You've got no responsibility. Now, you have to suffer because things are meaningless, but that's a small price to pay. Oh, God, being
2: I want to I die. Useless.
0: And this video is called
1: Advice for People with Depression. Everything you
2: do matters. I don't want to listen to this guy about depression, but it looks like a lot of people have. This has, like, 600,000 views.
1: And this is just a mirror of this. It's not even by him. It's by some... It's called bite-sized philosophy.
0: But there's no mucking around. He's it's
1: screaming into a crowd, just gest- gest- gesturing wildly. Yeah, I
2: feel like he's yelling at me. Yeah. This does not make me feel less depressed. This actually makes me feel more depressed.
1: Yeah, it's um not super effective, but it's also it's intense and emotional. He spends a lot of this video um talking about masculinity camera at one point like pans to the room you can see that he's in a room of mostly men and he talks about the responsibilities and frustrations of men and I mean as you saw like I just paused the video because it was auto-playing but it would have auto-played to another Jordan Peterson thing called like something about anxiety It's a all of his videos touch upon the sense of meaninglessness And then, if he's not talking about them in the context of depression or anxiety, he'll start talking about them in a larger sense. Relations between people. And then gets quickly racist. And then gets a little misogynistic. And then gets into eugenics. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, it goes poorly very quickly. Everything you do matters. Really. If you make a a mistake, it's a real real mistake. So...
2: I guess more point blank, what is the purpose of this video and other videos like it?
1: The depression community has been infiltrated by members of the alt-right. A lot of speakers, they kind of live in the space online where people are talking about depression, where men specifically with depression are going to share their feelings and build community.
2: Is it safe to say that this is an actual concerted tactic by the alt-right to recruit people or... Is it just by happenstance that these videos are related to one another on YouTube and, and other platforms?
1: I would say that it is a concerted tactic, but it seems like it would be a hell of a coincidence if yeah. this happened to happen in so many spaces over and over again with these sort of communities. Right. So like according to Christian um who is this former neo-Nazi who actually ended up co-founding the peace advocacy organization, Life After Hate. He said that these sort of recruiting tactics aren't just common, but systematically enforced. But he talked about how recruiters specifically were told to go after people who are broken or people who are having these issues where they're not exactly sure of their identity. They're looking for something for someone for a group to call their own. And then it is passively accepted in order to continue having that great feeling of I'm in the in-group.
2: Right, and this kind of, I guess, uh, in a way a mix of gaslighting but also making someone feel like they have a home is is definitely something that is also used by extremist organizations.
1: Yeah, it's like the textbook um, methods of ISIS or cults. That's exactly how it happens.
2: Right. What do you think that these groups have to offer someone if they're just, if they might just start off by looking for help, um, you know, what's the draw?
1: I mean, it may seem like a huge leap to go from, oh, just being depressed and vulnerable to being part of a neo-Nazi organization. But for these disillusioned and confused young men, these all right groups will offer them two things that they have never been able to experience before or might have a serious lack of in the throes of depression, which are namely like acceptance and community. A lot of these primer videos, um, like the Peterson ones, or by other prominent speakers, emphasize um, the validity of these depressed individuals' experiences, specifically the um, validity of the male experience. By acknowledging that and giving them a space where they feel like their concerns and worries about that are recognized, they have feel like they have a home or a community.
0: Right.
2: Just looking at the comments on on, on Jordan Peterson's video, for instance, I wasn't expecting it to be so positive. Like there, There's some pretty oh, yeah. tr- troubling things that he talks about in the video that are just, you know, maybe to you and me are just clearly insane. Yeah,
1: they seem like, holy shit, how could nobody... How could you listen to this?
2: Right. But like looking at the ratio of the video, it has like 15,000 likes compared to 318 um, dislikes. Mm -hmm. A lot of the comments are stuff like this is one of the best or this guy's beard is lit. Uh, This is a culturally Mm -hmm. important video. This person is really, you know, speaking to my to my heart. He really gets it. He really gets me.
1: Yeah. Like I'm looking. I just looked them up while you were talking with him. He said one of these comments say glad to be learning English at the same time, learning about life. Life is so short. Thank you for everything, Jordan Peterson. Like, it seems exactly like what you would read about a cult in the fact that it's this group of people that are all brainwashed in a way to obsess over a figure, to think positively about, to have one specific line of thinking and follow that.
2: Right, right. Does YouTube or Twitter really have... Any involvement with this? Like, are they actively trying to suss out when this wormhole gets too dangerous, or when it just reaches to levels of misinformation and, and hatred that is just not what they want on the platform?
1: YouTube recently has banned. They banned a neo-Nazi organization um, that had been putting out some extremely vile videos. But that was after weeks of media reporting on it and constant flagging and only after a series of three strikes so i think that it would be incorrect to say that they have a stance against hate speech but more occasionally they'll take a couple of players like down. whenever
2: it becomes in their best interest to yeah. do something about it which it usually isn't because these these
1: videos get a crazy watched. amount of views that's yeah. the one thing is i i mean obviously all parts of the internet are bad in some way that is just how the world works but I'd never realized the prominence of, I'd never realized how popular YouTube videos like these get. Right, There will be some with upwards of a million views or in the high hundreds of thousands that have been posted recently. It's scary and sad.
2: Thanks for coming on the show, Paris.
1: Thanks for having me, Erin.
2: May we not fall into the throes of the alt-right. <laughs>
1: I hope so. I hope not. No, I hope not. I'm sorry. We've got a big responsibility to our stockholders, our tobacco.
0: Today you heard from Paris Martineau, a staff writer here at The Outline. Uh, Paris, Where can people find you if they want to hear more about your reporting or read?
1: Um, Well, I mean, you can read more of my reporting, of course, on theoutline.com. And uh, follow me or check me out on Twitter at Paris Martineau, which is Paris and then (laughs) M-A-R-T-I-N-E-A-U.
0: And also Aaron Edwards, previously our special projects editor. Aaron is off to some new opportunities and... I miss him dearly every day.
1: We all miss him. We're we're gonna live in this time machine now. We're gonna live in Aaron Edwards' world.
0: <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy it. I know. Uh, so the dispatch is produced and hosted by me, James T. Green, with production assistance by Rob Dozier. Woo, go Rob! Our theme is by the wonderful John Lagomarsino. By the way, if you're still listening, and I think Paris can agree with this, you should tweet at us. Send us all I the I love. love tweets. Yeah, Paris definitely loves All tweets. Of them. She loves Twitter. We're at Outline Dispatch on Twitter. And for subscribers, I'll see you tomorrow with a brand new story.